Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So I have a feeling, you remember, well, I'm trying to think back. When did I first make this, uh, this crazy conspiracy claim? Remember when I said uh, that it almost seems like Democrats are going to keep indicting Donald Trump in order to get him through the primary? And I just threw it out there as kind of crazy. It's a conspiracy theory. Like, if I didn't know any better, I'm just asking questions. You know, I wasn't I wasn't planting the flag on this, but my goodness, I think they might be. I think they might be trying to get him into the general. Now, the last time they did that in, well, the first time, I should say, they did that in 2016. It didn't really work out for them very well. Right? They thought he would be the preferable candidate uh, for Hillary uh, to beat more easily. And uh, so terrible was she uh, that, no, Donald Trump beat her. And uh, and so it backfired. And I gotta, I, I just got to wonder at this point... Another indictment coming down against Trump. Are you like, is this the plan? Because every time he gets indicted, his poll numbers go up in the Republican primary field. There is this, you know, victim uh, or martyr kind of attachment that, that people start to feel for him. Like, oh, you know, I didn't like him very much, but what they're doing to him is wrong. And so they get a they get this rally effect, rally around Trump effect. And so. He um, goes on to, I guess this is from his, is this a social? The truth, it's a, it's a truth, it's a truth social, it's a social, it's a post on his platform. Um, and you'll forgive me, I'm going to try to read it, but it's a very long, like, I don't know how one would even diagram this sentence, but, um, all right, so I'm just going to, I'm, I'm just going to read the statement that he put out. Quote, wow, on Sunday night, While I was with my family, having just arrived from the Turning Point event in Florida, where I won the straw poll against all other Republican candidates with 85.7%, with all polls showing me leading in the Republican primary by very substantial numbers, almost everyone predicting that I will be the Republican nominee for president, and as I am leading Democrat Joe Biden in the polls by a lot, horrifying news for our country was given to me by my attorneys. Period deranged jack smith the prosecutor with joe biden's doj sent a letter again it was on a sunday night stating that i am a target of the january 6th grand jury investigation and giving me a very short four days to report to the grand jury which almost always means an arrest and indictment period So now Joe Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland, who I turned down for the United States Supreme Court in retrospect, based on his corrupt and unethical actions, a very wise decision, together with Joe Biden's Department of Injustice, have effectively issued a third indictment and arrest of Joe Biden's number one political opponent, who is largely dominating him in the race for the presidency. Period. Nothing like this has ever happened in our country before or even close. 
They illegally spied on my campaign, attacked me with a totally fake dossier that was funded by Hillary Clinton's campaign and the DNC, impeached me twice. I won. They failed on the Mueller witch hunt. No collusion. All right. So, and it goes on. So, <laughs> um, so he expects an arrest and an indictment in connection to this uh, January 6th investigation, right? I don't know what the charges are. Nobody does at this point, right? Obviously, so we have to wait. It's, it's amazing how, how little information gets leaked out in some investigations, isn't it, with regards to Trump? Sean Davis from The Federalist, he says it's kind of crazy to think that Had he just illegally bought a gun, lied on the background check form, laundered money, evaded taxes, accepted bribes from foreign oligarchs, and smuggled coke into the White House, the DOJ would have looked the other way. Instead, he told people to go protest peacefully. That's that's what did him in. That is... (laughs) That's what's going to do him in. Um, Yeah, I don't don't think this hurts Donald Trump. The last one... The last two didn't. So I don't think this one will anymore... And we'll have to wait and see what the charge is. If it's, if it's like the Alan, or, uh, Alvin Bragg, uh, that first indictment that came down, that's, that was like everybody kind of thought, what, what, are you, what are you doing with this? So maybe it's that flimsy uh, or not. We shall see. Now, uh, there's something else occurring here, though. The former FBI supervisory special agent... I know it's a lengthy term. All right. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer issued a statement after committee staff conducted a transcribed interview with a former FBI supervisory special agent. This agent was assigned to the FBI's Wilmington, Delaware office and was assigned to the Biden criminal investigation. Okay, so we heard already from a whistleblower out of the IRS. Shapley is his name. And now we have an FBI agent, a former supervisory special agent, in fact, who just went uh, yesterday and did testimony in private uh, to the House Committee on Oversight. And here's what that chairman, James Comer, here's what he says, quote, The night before the interview of Hunter Biden, both Secret Service headquarters and the Biden transition team were tipped off about the planned interview. On the day of the Hunter Biden interview, federal agents were told to stand by and they could not approach Hunter Biden. They had to wait for his call. As a result of the change in plans... IRS and FBI criminal investigators never got to interview Hunter Biden as part of the investigation. Huh. That must be nice. As part of the criminal investigation, there were multiple witness interviews planned for December 8th, 2020. December 8th, 2020. Right? So right after the election, the IRS supervisory special agent, Gary Shapley, and this former FBI agent were assigned to go interview Hunter Biden. So what is this? This is confirmation of what Shapley said in his testimony, right? He has come forward. He's done interviews now with, like, you know, legacy media outlets, mainstream news outlets. And um, he's, I think it was CBS or NBC. So he sat down for interviews. He's given on the record named 
whistleblower protected testimony. This now corroborates what he said. That the day before, the evening before they were set to go interview Hunter Biden, Shapley and his FBI counterpart learned that the FBI HQ headquarters had told Secret Service about the planned interview with Hunter Biden, and then they learned that the Biden transition team was notified about this planned interview. This was not the original plan by the agents, and it frustrated their investigative efforts because people found out who did not need to know. So think, think about the timing on this. The transition team got tipped off to this as it was happening. And all the while, they keep on saying things like, oh, we don't know anything about his business. You know, Joe doesn't talk to Hunter about any of this stuff. They thought they could quash it. Right? This was, this, this was already in motion. The day of the interviews, Shapley from the IRS and his FBI counterpart are notified that they're not allowed to approach Hunter Biden's house, and instead they'll have to wait near his residence until Hunter Biden contacts them. Care to take a guess what never happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was yeah, there was never any contact. Now I'm curious by whom, right? Who is the who is the one that told the FBI and the IRS you can't contact them? Where did that come from? Did that come from Secret Service or DOJ? I'd like to know the answer to that. Hopefully the Oversight Committee is uh, is getting close to some answers. Got some email uh, correspondence. Communiques. This is from Joseph to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, Trump has already, sorry, Trump already has the nomination sewn up. His floor is too high and solid. They know he can't win in the general because they won't let him, just like 2020. The system isn't indicting him over and over to get him across the finish line. They want him jailed, not because he actually did anything, at least any more than any other president, but because the system is making it clear that if you're not part of the ruling class, you better stay in your lane. It's a warning that the USA is their country which now amounts to just a trade zone with a semi-competent military that's in decline, but still tough enough to oppress its own citizens if needed. And you should just live in it. That is from Joseph. Um, and then I got a uh, tweet here. It's a Pete tweet. Uh, Trump is not allowed to interfere in an election. I mean, who does he think he is? Clinton or the FBI? I mean, really, that's... <laughs> so, this is... Um, this brings up... Yeah, brings me to a piece, actually, uh, that I saw at The Federalist by John Daniel Davidson a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago. Um, the headline on it was, DeSantis's problem is not Trump, it's that Democrats rigged 2020. He says, you might have noticed a media narrative taking shape in the last few days about how Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' pres uh, presidential campaign has stalled. Right? You saw some of those headlines, right? Look, it's summertime. I don't really... I, I, I'm... I'm aware of these headlines. I look at some of the back and forth on this stuff and the polling or whatever as a trend, but I, I don't take any of this stuff really seriously at this point. Um, uh, they got the money reports that have come out, and so there's all sorts of analysis being done on how much was raised by whom and what's left for the general and what's left for the primary and all of this. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm happy to just watch the race unfold. People making predictions based on single data points, to me, has very little value. Um, that's why they play the game, you know? Perhaps what we're seeing is less about DeSantis and still less about 2024 or the upcoming GOP primary scrum and more about what happened in 2020. 
Put bluntly, maybe what we're seeing now is an early sign that what Democrats, big tech, and corporate media did in 2020 was inject poison into our political system. And the 2024 election cycle is going to show us just how deadly that poison is. Recall, 2020 was unlike any election in American history. One need not declare that it was stolen to admit that it was obviously rigged. I have made, by the way, I have made this exact argument since 2020. Right. After all, uh, the people and the institutions that rigged it have freely admitted what they did. Right. They acknowledge this. Remember, they did. They had a spike the football article, I think, in The New York Times a couple of years ago, talking about how they all got together and gamed it all out. They suppressed the Hunter Biden laptop story. They censored what Americans could say on social media. They introduced unprecedented changes to our voting system under the pretext of pandemic precautions. They poured hundreds of millions of dollars into nonpartisan, quote unquote, local election offices through Mark Zuckerberg connected nonprofits for the sole purpose of turning out Democrat voters in swing states. Nothing like that has ever happened in American history. And it was all done to ensure Trump lost. What's more, all of that came after four years of the permanent regime in Washington discarding every political norm, bending every rule, and breaking more than a few laws in a failed effort to oust Trump from office during his first term. Now, maybe you think that's all nonsense, or maybe you think that's all just water under the bridge. But Trump supporters do not. They are not interesting, uh, interested in forgiving or forgetting. They're not interested in just oh well 2024 like none of that happened plenty of them will always believe and not without reason that 2020 was stolen outright many millions more believe with even more reason that it was rigged unfairly against trump and that the same forces are at work now to rig it against whomever the gop nominee turns out to be so does that mean trump is somehow entitled to the nomination or to another term not necessarily I mean, to the extent 2020 was stolen, it wasn't strictly speaking stolen from Trump, but the American people, right? The voters who cast their ballots for Trump in good faith, trusting that our elections were free and fair. That's who was robbed. John Daniel Davidson is a writer at The Federalist, and he has a piece called DeSantis's Problem Isn't Trump, It's That Democrats Rigged 2020. And he outlines like all of the not like the, you know, uh, uh, ballot counting you know issues or anything like that from election night. He's talking about all of the rules that got changed, all of the different you know, like the, the, the Zuckerberg bucks, like all of these these projects that Democrats and their allies in the media undertook to undermine Trump and the election. Now, right, people's faith in that system, in the election system was proved misplaced. Do you think that they're going to line up for a GOP primary and consider each candidate on his or her merits, giving them all a fair hearing? He's talking specifically here about Trump supporters in the GOP primary. And he says no. And as far as they're concerned, they were robbed of their votes in the last election by a corrupt cabal of powerful elites who are still in control. Indeed, We know more today about the astounding level of corruption and election rigging in 2020 than we did at the time. None of the problems have been fixed. No reparations have been made. 
you can't expect these voters to simply move on and act like 2024 is going to be a free and fair election, and then they'll accept whatever result the machine coughs up. To win over GOP voters who supported Trump in the past two cycles, all of the candidates that are not named Donald Trump uh, have to speak to the injustice that was done in 2020. They have to admit what happened, name who did it, and affirm that we cannot have a self-governing republic if that's how our elections are going to be. And he's exactly right. That's why I was kind of surprised I saw in the interview that Donald Trump did with um, Maria Bartiromo. He said when she asked him about moving the uh, the FBI or, or, or reforming the, F- the FBI, he started talking about building their new headquarters and keeping it in in D.C. And I think somebody else said to move it somewhere else. I think maybe it was DeSantis was throwing that out there. But I was kind of surprised, like, why? Why is and then he said he was like kind of friendly with Hillary. And so I'm like, I'm I'm not clear what's going on. (laughs) I don't understand the play. Right. I like, why wouldn't you be saying like, especially of all people, Donald Trump to to burn the FBI to the ground. Right. I mean, metaphorically speaking, and then salt the earth. No, why wouldn't he be the most outraged about it and looking for for the punishment, for the comeuppance? Um, so this is where the problem lies for candidates like DeSantis to say nothing um, of uh, you know Vivek Ramaswamy or Tim Scott, right? How can you decry what they did to Trump in one breath and in the next proclaim that you're the best person to redress those grievances? That Trump should stand aside and let you, Nikki Haley, restore faith in American elections and put Democrats in their place. Now, maybe it can be done. I, da- uh, Davidson or, yeah, yeah, Davidson, John Daniel Davidson. Um, Davidson d- doesn't think so. Maybe they can come up with some rationale for their candidates. Um, and, and maybe they can make that appeal to Trump supporters. It would be a neat trick to see them pull it off. But if you're if you're trying to explain why otherwise popular figures like DeSantis, why they're not gaining traction among the primary voters, the answer has less to do with Trump and more to do with what Democrats did in 2020. No one should expect Trump voters to forgive and forget. Democrats and their accomplices uh, have uh, might have thought that they were getting rid of Trump once and for all, and maybe they will in the end. But right now, uh, it looks like they sowed the wind. Speaking of election problems, Carolina Journal reporting last month that according to documents obtained by the Public Interest Legal Foundation, the PILF, or the PILF, More than 1,400 foreign nationals are on the voter rolls and had not obtained naturalization before Election Day in 2014. This is almost 10 years ago. Of those 1,454 registrants, 89 tried to vote, 24 of them got challenged, and 11 were sustained. So it's not, these aren't huge numbers, but they are. They are indicative, they are illustrative of the gaps in the system. Leading up to the 2014 midterm elections, North Carolina had more than 10,000 registered voters that might be foreign nationals, according to information obtained from federal and state immigration databases. This is from the motor voter laws, right? This is how this happens. People show up to get a driver's license and they get signed up uh, onto the voter rolls. 
The state sought to prevent foreign nationals from voting and performed a 10,000 registrant audit before the midterm election. In 2021, the U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals granted PILF a favorable ruling, the Public Interest Legal Foundation, empowering them to get the documents. The motor voter law requires DMVs to offer voter registration. And what PILF says is that a lot of foreigners register through the DMV process and then once they're registered in the via, uh, in vehicle department transactions or social service agency registrations, right? But the, the law then limits the actions that election officials can take to address the issue. So you're, you're incentivizing more people to sign up even unwittingly, but they're not supposed to be. The federal voter registration uh, requires no documentary proof of U.S. citizenship. Instead, the applicant is simply asked to attest to citizenship and age by just checking a box next to the word yes. That's an honor system. I mean, that is one way to run the system. I would submit it's not a good way, but that's the way that it is run. The federal voter registration form does not require full social security numbers. That makes it impossible to use E-Verify. Motor, v, uh, motor voters language, the, the original law, doesn't account for the need for DMVs to transmit citizenship verification data when they're doing their driver's license transactions either. Even in the age of real ID. I, I, I got my real ID. I went and did that. It's like, oh my gosh, so many documents and stuff. But apparently, it's a little bit easier if you're not from here. Essentially, this means DMV customers may not update their immigration status in their driver records after naturalization. The president of PILF is J. Christian Adams, and he said North Carolina's experience makes clear how some of motor voters' aging provisions are allowing foreign interference in our elections by causing foreign nationals to get registered to vote. Then, the law's provisions create roadblocks for election officials to correct the records. Congress must modernize this act. Um, it's now going to be 30 years old. By the way, Senate Bill 747 passed the Senate by a vote of 28 to 19 along partisan lines. The Senate sent the legislation to the House on Thursday for consideration. This is Senate Bill 747 titled Election Law Changes, and that is in the North Carolina General Assembly. So uh, hopefully the state can make some progress towards fixing this, but we shall see. Oh, and before I forget, have you got your ticket to the Heritage Life Skills event yet? I'll be there. The annual event is put on by Carolina Readiness Supply, and you can learn all sorts of ways to be better prepared and self-sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables. I'll be there Saturday evening. Check out the schedule at carolinareadiness.com. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness can help you. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? Got some breaking news. Georgia's top court rejects Donald Trump's bid to quash grand jury report. Well, I mean, it was breaking yesterday. The Georgia State Supreme Court 
unanimously rejected. I mean, the headline says breaking. It's at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. So that's okay. Anyway, Georgia Supreme Court yesterday unanimously rejected former President Donald Trump's bid to disqualify Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis from the 2020 presidential election probe and to quash a special purpose grand jury's final report that recommends people be indicted. Acting promptly to address Donald Trump's motion filed late Thursday, the state's highest court said that the former president's legal team had failed to present extraordinary circumstances, quote unquote, that warranted its intervention. As for Willis, Trump, quote, has not presented in his original petition either the facts or the law necessary to warrant her disqualification. This came in an unsigned five-page order from the court. The DA, Willis, has signaled that in the coming weeks she will ask one of two recently seated grand juries to hand up an indictment in the election probe. She has not said who could be formally charged, but Trump is expected to be one of the defendants, although who knows? The state Supreme Court. Uh, well, hang on, let me back up. Uh, do, yeah, with that on the horizon, Trump's lawyers asked the state Supreme Court to put a halt to the proceedings, the grand jury proceedings, and let their motion be heard. And then it also sought to prevent Willis from using any evidence obtained by the special grand jury, which heard testimony from like 75 witnesses. The state Supreme Court said the normal course of action would be for Trump's team to file a petition first in a superior court in Fulton County at the lower level. That decision could then be appealed. Trump can't turn to the state's highest court to try to circumvent the ordinary channels for obtaining the relief he seeks. So that mean, that's his mistake. He thought Georgia courts apparently played by the same rules as the uh, Democrats did in uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court, I guess, where they would just like reach down and grab some important cases they wanted to uh, rule on before they got ousted from office. Anyway, Trump's lawyers did file such a petition at the Superior Court level, but they did it on Friday. No ruling uh, has been issued in that case yet. Okay, so the state's high court indicated that the lower court case from Trump, that's probably not going anywhere either, they said, even if his petition was filed in the appropriate procedural posture, Trump has not shown that he would be entitled to the relief that he seeks. So that's the Atlanta case. Now, back to the uh, the indictment that is apparently coming out of D.C. Um, from, what's his face, Jack Smith. There's an attorney online, uh, Brett Tolman, former U.S. attorney. He's a government reformer. Uh, he's out of Salt Lake City. And he says, Jack Smith sending Trump a target letter yesterday or day before and then indicating that he has to appear in front of the grand jury makes no sense. Rarely do you put a target in front of the grand jury because they're going to plead the fifth, and then you run the risk of compromising your case given due process rights. He says, quote, In response to an order to appear before the grand jury, a target's lawyer, so Trump's lawyers, should immediately send a letter to the prosecutor that they intend to exercise their Fifth Amendment rights. Once that letter is received... The prosecutor here must excuse the target from appearing under U.S. Attorney's manual, so under the rules. As if that's followed anymore, come on. Um, continuing 
would only be for the optics of the target pleading the fifth. Do you get that? Continuing with this, the, it would only be for PR, right? For the, for the perp walk, for the frog marching. That's it. Or to try to rattle the witness enough to respond to questions, which could happen, but, you know, can come at a cost later in front of a judge or a jury. So uh, he's kind of baffled by, uh, by the play there. Um, I got a message here from Tim, who says, uh, regarding the voting, Pete, the Republicans have not done very much to rectify the voting rules regulations after the 2020 election. So what do you think is going to happen in 24? The Republican Party is truly the stupid party. That's, yes, I've, I've heard that. Uh, and then Tom says, uh, enjoy the show as always. Maybe we should be reminded of what Rush Limbaugh stated when Trump ran against Clinton back in 16. He said that the Washington establishment, deep state, uniparty, whatever, uh, must destroy somebody like Trump. He's an outsider to keep them away from power and exposing their corruption and how they rigged the game to stay in power. Also, by destroying him, it would serve as a reminder and a warning to anybody else who wants to oppose big government what might be in store for them right if they choose to oppose or expose